Hey, everybody out there in podcast world. Uh, welcome for a brand new episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Frank. And we are covering the fourth Sean Connery James Bond film from 1965, Thunderball. Four movies in four years. Yeah, it's That's a lot, nuts. right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how they did it, I don't know. But obviously, this is the last one that was like that. And then they, they uh, started to have a couple years in between. like, And then obviously now, it's like five years. <laughs> right. It, it definitely, you know, it's interesting to see how the films came out chronologically. It's also interesting to see how... We shifted back to the OG director of Terrence Young in this film. There's a lot to talk about um, yeah. here. Uh, so I think let, let's let's start with a few things. So first of all, um, welcome back to the Long Lost Heroes podcast, everybody. We are not going to have as in-depth trivia as we have had on previous episodes for the last couple of weeks. Um, Frank and I are busy gentlemen. We have tons of shit going on day to day. You wouldn't believe it, but uh, we do. And, <laughs> and we decided uh, to watch, you know, 24 Bond movies over the course of however many months. And it's taking its toll. So we, uh, yeah, we're just trying to crank it out. I mean, I, I, I feel bad that you weren't able to watch the special features and stuff because I know you love it. I do. I really love it. That's why I bought I bought the DVDs, like because because that added value of looking into how they made the film does really matter to me. And I'm excited to one day, like in the future, watch the director's commentaries and revisit them uh, historically. This time we did not get to do that. So uh, if you are a super Thunderball super fan and you know more than we do, please throw out some facts or trivia that we may not cover in this episode. This is really more of a reaction to the movie. And we hope to get back to the trivia with uh, You Only Live Twice coming up uh, next. Yeah. Also, if you are enjoying the trivia episodes, uh, go back um, and listen to some of the other stuff that we've done. I know that the Goldfinger episode has some really great uh, trivia in there. Some of the Roger Moore movies as well. Um, the Pierce Brosnan ones have some great uh, trivia. So definitely go back and uh, give those a listen if you're more inclined for that at yeah. this point in time. And like, I think maybe another cool thing that we could do, and we talked about this before, like maybe we will uh, visit the non-Eon production movies as we get closer to uh, the release of No Time to Die, which I don't know if we mentioned on the podcast yet, but they have officially uh, postponed again. Um, yes. So it's now a year later than when it was supposed to be released, April 2021. Um, so... Uh, we'll be wrapping up our series pretty soon, but um, maybe as we get closer to that, we can cover um, the original Casino Royale. And I think it might be interesting to do Never Say Never Again, especially in light of just watching Thunderball, because I'm like, what could they do differently? Like, why why did they feel like they needed to make it again? <laughs> it's interesting because, you know, this movie feels very self-contained, even though it's part of the larger world. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting to see how they are setting this up um where to start with this uh i think um i don't know frank where do you want to start what let's give it let's give it to you let's turn it over to you for a change so i think what's weird about this movie it's kind of a few things like the obviously goldfinger was so so good and it had like what we recognize as the formula right um and this one kind of tries to do its own thing a little bit more. Um, I, I feel like 
it's the way it starts and he's like at this massage place like like to recuperate for what feels like a really long time just kind of makes the movie feel like it's I don't know. I think my biggest issue with this film is like is some of the pacing, um, and especially at the end. I'm like, I'm fairly certain I've seen this movie before, but I probably fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, this. Huh, where do I, where do I want to start? Um, I think this is a, I think this is a good movie to watch in the context of the other Sean Connery movies. Yeah. I don't know if I would ever recommend this to somebody to go be like, hey, go watch Thunderball. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like yeah. this to me feels like a YouTube clip at best uh-huh. like that. And like that's kind of sad. I think I think the way that we've looked at Goldfinger where it's just dripping in iconography and really sets up a lot of the motifs and tropes that we come to look for in the formula and all, all that stuff. Like this movie, like it doesn't necessarily, um, you know, uh, zag as much as it, um, just kind of continues back to the original story where we left off with from Russia with love. Yeah. And that to me just feels like sort of out of place and out of context a little bit. So if you are, it's like maybe like a Marvel movie. Like I think maybe when we go back and watch the Marvel films, like we've talked about that, you know, there's going to be some that you could easily skip. <laughs> and sure. you know, this one feels, um, highly skippable. Uh, I, you I, know not... what I wonder, I wonder if this movie would actually fit better after from Russia with love. A hundred percent. Like maybe, maybe what you do is you, uh, you start with, Doctor No, then maybe you do Goldfinger because it's so good, and then you do From Russia with Love, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, and you've got like your little Spectre trilogy. I feel that the only reason I I, I kind of get why they did it the way it feels now is this movie feels very um, uh, part two. This movie definitely feels like a sequel. It definitely feels uh, like we're in a place where Bond is being tried and sometimes outsmarted and outwitted yeah. and. It definitely feels uh, Winter Soldier and Empire Strikes Back, and that the other shoe is dropped. Like we, you know, we left off in From Russia with Love, thinking about Spectre. What are they going to do next? What's their next plan? You have this side adventure with Goldfinger, which involves uh, the communist Chinese and uh, you know this crazy metallurgist dude who's a Nazi. Um, but really you kind of come back into this and we see Bond being bested. We see him start out and he's weakened. We see him, um, you know, constantly, uh, one foot behind, um, he needs to get rescued. Like, yeah, (laughs) he's waiting on that Island. He shoots up the flares. Like, all right, I guess, uh, you guys can pick me up now. Thanks. (laughs) This is such a, this is a Bond B side. You know what I mean? Like, and it definitely feels like that when um, you get to the end of it, because this movie ends spectac- like it's spectacularly crazy. <laughs> like, you know, like we see the actual skyhook from uh, the Dark Knight um, where, you know, he, he shoots up the, the balloon and then the jet comes and picks him up straight out of, you know, the that sequence in Batman. Yeah. Um, Well, I guess that's straight out of here, really. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it just ends there. And I think that's really abrupt and weird. You don't see a Bond will return card. You don't see a a wrap up or a breakdown of what's going to come next. 
which leaves me in a lot of suspense and excited to watch the next movie as always. But, you know, I think this movie, um, you know, it, it t- it's taking us backward a little bit in that I think Guy Hamilton, it wasn't so much that he um, understood Bond better than Terrence Young. I think he was trying to take what was there and kind of like bolster it, broaden it, like make it bigger and uh, more spectacular. And I think this brings us back to a more story driven uh, movie um, that doesn't have uh, it, it definitely has excitement, but it doesn't have the kind of moments and and quality I think that Goldfinger does. Yeah, I mean, it, like obviously, Guy Hamilton comes back later, but we actually have a few more movies to go through before he is back, and so right. it it's just interesting to me. It's like they had such a a big. I mean, to us, it seems like a huge success, right? I, I'm sure that they thought that Goldfinger was a success, and then like they have a couple of. It's like Thunderball, you only live twice, and then they switch gears completely to On Her Majesty's Secret Service, and so it's like. It just makes you wonder what's going on behind the scenes, why they really can't get things clicking again. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's a, like you said, it's a fine movie. I don't think it's um, one that you'd be like, oh, yeah, you got to go watch Thunderball. But um, there there's a lot in there that's to like. I mean, I think the, what's the crazy thing is like how big this movie's budget is compared to all yeah. the ones before. And I mean, it shows like they they have basically a 20 plus minute underwater sequence battle yeah. that when there's like no dialogue and you know it's pretty cool it just is like it feels egregious and unnecessary after a point right like it's like all right you're you're totally right man they were you know trying to show off that they had this technology i'm yep. sure it's the first underwater fight sequence ever put to film like sure. it has to be yeah um, I think today's, you know, action movie audience were so jaded because the camera can cut and, you know, you can see them shooting in, in, in different positions and they can ramp up the action and, and ramp up the music and get tighter shots on people's faces. You know, this movie is, um, you know, specifically that sequence before we get into crazy spoilers, like. Yes, it's a 20-minute underwater fight sequence, m- totally without words. But it, I think that the music and its pacing, um, it, it, it kind of they're kind of playing against each other in that the music keeps you like enthused, like you can see what's going on, and you know, kind of you know, be paying attention. And then you're looking at this pacing, and you're like, why are we holding on this shot for so long? Like. Like, come on, guys. Like, let's get to the next shot, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, and the hard thing to tell is, like, they they make a good point of showing uh, Sean Connery's face a few p- times throughout it. But otherwise, it's just a, a bunch of faceless goons on each side, you know? Like, totally. it's a bunch and of stormtroopers. <laughs> it, it's a bunch of stormtroopers, but it, it's supposed to be Spectre. And I think yeah. what is lost in this movie is another... A talk or threat from Blofeld. Um, and this is going to totally get into spoil- spoilers after this, but like this movie needed a, th- a fourth act and that it needed to have another um, ticking clock that we were worried about at the very end where they were going to blow up a bomb on the boat 
and they, you know, it malfunctioned. It, it just seemed like they didn't want to go for the twist ending because they had just done it in Goldfinger on purpose. Yeah. Even though you have the hydrofoils shown for the, um, th- this kind of cool ass boat that they have. Uh, yeah, man. I don't know. I, I was expecting to like think of something I would really, really like about this movie and the takeaway. And like, I'm sure that the takeaways are what everybody's takeaways are going to be. So I think we just get into spoilers so we could talk about it. Sure. Works for me. Um, so yeah, I think the takeaways from this movie are the jetpack. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it happens within the first few minutes. <laughs> yeah. The, ret- the quasi return of the DB five quasi. Yeah. And the, uh, and the, the specter shit, the specter stuff is really great. And yeah. the Ken Adams set in the, in this movie are beyond like, like, Definitely Goldfinger is iconic and memorable and, and like definitely, you know, things that we'll see recreated for, you know, different events, I'm sure, in the future. But yeah. the sequence where they go into the conference room at MI6 is incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blofeld's uh, underground uh, France office is iconic. His lair. Uh, his lair. <laughs> like, it's it's great. And then when you start to get into the later half of the movie – we're back in the Bahamas again. We've been to the Bahamas with Bond before already in this time period. And they're not so much focusing on creating the kind of epic sets and surroundings that you see in the latter halves of these movies. And I think that definitely, like, with the exception of the Shark Tank, which is shot okay, but it's not shot epic. Yeah. Like, you know, it doesn't ever feel as grandiose as the endings of these other movies do. This movie feels very front-loaded. And let's start about that with the jetpack. What do you think of the jetpack? I think the jetpack's really cool. I'm like, as I'm watching it, I put it on, and, like, Megan was not really watching this one with me, but, like, she was there. I was like, hey, look, you know. This is like one of the most iconic things from this movie. I'm like, and that's it, <laughs> right? And that's it. Um, it. It's really cool. I mean, it it does look a little bit ridiculous, but I mean, I, I just love the idea of it. And they went for it. Like, um, it's a cool escape. And it's, it is a really good way to end the opening sequence. It, it is. Um, and I'm kind of sad that it's not used again. You know, I think this movie could have benefited from another jetpack scene. Sure. And, yeah, why not? And <laughs> I mean, he's like, yeah, everybody should have one. Like when they are loading it into the DB5 um and we don't see the DB5 wrecked in this movie, like it should have been a given that like he would have the D- the jetpack for another stunt in the movie. Right. Um I think this is actually one of the first working jetpacks put to film that it was like it did actually fly there was a guy who flew this thing interesting uh uh this is one of those like early scary jetpack versions where it's not like the ones now which are you know essentially fans or uh you know non um ga- you know gas powered jet engines on your hands like they're electric jet engines that's the the, the guy the squirrel suit now yeah um and then they but, have those ones over the water that are like y- yeah yeah but that's a water that's not even the same thing no. like we're talking um, about the ability to put on a backpack that makes you fly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I honestly, I thought it was all fake, but if, if, I mean, this is maybe one of the things that we need to look up for sure, but um, obviously 
Sean Connery's not actually in it. He's no, he's, he's not piloting the jetpack. <laughs> no, that, that's not happening. Um, yeah, you know, well, the DB five doesn't come back after that, does it? No, the DB five stays in the UK. Right, and that's and that's a problem. I think um, they, you know, when we see Q uh, come on location in the Bahamas, he should have been like, "Oh, all right, Mister Bond, here's your." Your DB5, of course, we shipped it across the UK for you. Or, like, here's another one, right? Like, here's another yeah. cool car. And that is definitely lacking. And I, I, obviously, if they can't bring the, the the first one, there would be no jetpack in the in the trunk but or in the boot. Um, sure. But, you know, he could have had another one. I don't know. It's No, I feel you. And, and you know... I don't want to dabble too much into the Q scene because I know we'll talk about it in ratings, but this definitely seems very, you know, post Sean Connery um, Q scene. You know, I guess they originated, you know, his on location um, visits with, with this movie. Yeah. Um, and this feels very um, abbreviated and it's not what I want. <laughs> you know, I, I, I appreciate where they're coming from. I do not like, Specifically, I do not like that when um, Q walks in, Bond's like, oh, here we go. Yeah. I like the idea that like Bond has this like respect for Q because he is the one making the gadgets and like kind of a, you know, a precocious curiosity that he's like, holy shit, like this guy can make these like wackadoodle things. Like I got to always be nice to this guy to make yeah. sure he's cool. And I think that the dynamic they try to set up where they both don't like each other doesn't work. I agree. I mean, I think if like they went the direction that's like, Oh, this guy's giving me all these gadgets and like, he never used them or like they always malfunctioned. Sure. But no, he uses them. They work really well and he should respect him. Like I I'm totally for Q being like, you suck because you destroy all my shit. Uh, right. But the other direction, like I like him being a nuisance and a little bit of a, like a bad boy. And like, Oh, I'm playing with all of your toys. Like, and even though you haven't told me about them yet, but being an asshole is not cool. Yeah, it 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 breaks the mold, and I think it hurts the the relationship. Like, and you're there to you know, Q's in my mind supposed to get an applause scene. You know, an applause or like he's gonna Q's gonna come on screen, and if we were seeing those movies today, yeah, it would it would be like when Nick Fury would show up, and you'd be yep. like, holy shit! All right, here we go. And yeah, <laughs> take a bow and exit stage right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. Uh, yeah. So, besides the um, the jetpack and uh, the the Q scene, I think something we you know should definitely linger on is the Spectre plot. Um, I think they're really trying here, and I can really appreciate how not only does this affect this movie and like has its very own kind of unique flavor to it, but that it definitely feels influential on the other shit that we like. Oh, of course. In that, you know, the bad guys are always out there and that, you know, they're always plotting, they're always scheming and they're, um, you know, always going to be hiding themselves and trying to, you know, come up with new attack plans to get, you know, whoever our heroes are. Right. And I definitely feel like for the first half of this movie, Spectre is doing more than competently at bringing a really great threat to the West at um, working and uh, using the subversion tactics and crazy, you know, futuristic ideas of, you know, surgery and, and stuff that um, we'll see get played out with Spectre and Blofeld later on. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but in this film, in this movie, um, they kind of fall off a cliff. And my question to you is, um, would you have rather gone up against Blofeld at the end of this movie, or would you have rathered a talky-talky scene with Largo? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, this is the fourth movie. I, you know, I, I think I kind of would have liked to go up against Blofeld at this point. Like, he's there. Uh, he's a presence, but he's not... I mean, we still don't see his face, which is fine, but, like, I don't know. I think it would have been cool to at least have, at the very end, like you said, the fourth act, have, like, that Thanos moment that, like, yeah. all right, Mr. Bond, I'm going to get you. And, like, he gets away. But um, I think that would have been better because y you see number two, Largo, like, subservient to him, and, and you see, like the, like, the hierarchy of power in Spectre. But, like... Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think Largo himself isn't an interesting enough villain to like hold that much of a threat, you know. And and that's the main problem, right? Like yeah. it, it, he ultimately at the end of this movie, he is number two. He is the inspiration directly for you know number two in Austin Powers, uh, portrayed by Robert Wagner. Yeah, um, eye patch and everything. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm going to take an alternate view here. In my rewrite of this movie, the talky-talky scene is uh, Largo has captured Bond in his uh, estate, uh, Palmyra, and he then explain he then has a tape of what Doctor No says to James Bond in the first movie, and where uh, Doctor No is explaining Spectre. Yeah, and you know, and then. Um, yeah. Largo is like, so you think you know everything about Spectre, do you? And like really like turns it on his head, like maybe Felix is Spectre, like maybe maybe another Ooh. maybe another twisty twisty that could have uh accelerated the threat level. Because I think once this movie gets to the Bahamas, once we see the bombs on the underwater stingray submarine, um, you know, you lose you you know, and, I, and it's a nuclear threat. Like we've seen a lot of movies, though. This is a is a nuclear threat. They have two bombs. They can do a lot of damage with these. Yeah. I never at any point feel like James Bond is not going to win. Of, of course, yeah. That's a really good point because, like, even the way that they they got the bombs, like it was a cool sequence when, um, like they land a plane and like go underwater and then but we don't actually see them do it we just see him kill the guy and so like at no point does it seem like a big threat they like the bombs aren't being launched they're just on boats and being transported you know like that's not threatening right. and um yeah i i think you're right i think so having some sort of like oh this person that you thought was good is actually bad like um they just needed to change up the the third act. And and I think that, you know, you were right when you texted me because, like, I had just gotten – I had finished the second act where they have the underwater sex, which we'll, we'll spend a minute on. But when <laughs> they uh, – when you get to that point in the movie, you're like, oh, shit. Like, how's this all going to come together? And, like, I remember seeing this movie and I remember the underwater scene and definitely the posters all have the underwater scene on it. Um. Yeah, it, it, you know, 
I think that this, I think something that Guy Hamilton really did very well in the last movie and the way that that last movie is, is written maybe is to constantly be elevating the excitement. It's to be constantly ratcheting up the threat level to just when you think you're safe, no, you're not, it's going to get crazier and putting bond in these really crazy, you know, inescapable moments. And this one, yeah. It, Spectre falls a little bit flat for me here. Yeah. And I also, I love the office, like the office seat, the, the office, the lair where, you know, they're going over. All right. Number eight. What did you do? Well, we did this, you know, like, yeah, I like that scene. I like that. The Americans were double crossing each other. I like that. Blofeld kills them. Um, that seemed very, it seemed very Dr. Evil, but also seemed, you know, very head of an evil organization. You know what I mean? Yeah, like we, we saw, um, what's her face from in from Russia with love. And you saw like how he treated her, but like, this is his whole team, you know, and the equivalence almost of James Bond. Right. Yeah. The, the, the antithesis, right? Like the, this is the anti MI six. Um, yeah. I mean, I agree with you in that, like the specter, I mean, obviously we know that Largo is part of specter and like, we're supposed to believe that the agents fighting underwater, but like are, are also specter, but it just doesn't feel big. And for for Felix to rescue Bond, I think it's Felix that rescues Bond, um, and then be like, all right, here, go into battle. Like, <laughs> basically, like, you know, uh, you're, you're the next uh, guy string on the football team. Like, get in there. You got it. Like, it just doesn't feel like the stakes work because he's in the middle of the action and there's nothing that he can do that is like really anything better than the other guys. It just doesn't feel, I don't know. I just, it, they don't set bond up for success. Um, yeah. That's a great way of putting it. They do not set bond up for success. <laughs> they are, they are literally laying groundwork to get to the next movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? It does have Iron Man two problems in that, you Ooh. definitely are excited about Blofeld, but you don't get to see or understand what Blofeld's coming from. We're seeing the creation of the larger world without the payoffs. Yep. Great, great analogy. I think that's totally a good comparison. So let's bring it back. I know people are out there very excited that we haven't played the game yet. Oops. <laughs> um, I am going to take a shot at it. Uh, Spectre hijacks a... Vulcan aircraft carrying two atomic bombs on it. They steal the bombs in the Bahamas and hold them ransom against the world for a hundred million dollars. Uh, the in-betweens are few and far, but really that's the main deal. That's pretty much it. Um, this actually, this movie does have a lot of key points that is directly referenced later on in, in Austin powers, like project. Vulcan. Totally. I totally oh, forgot for about sure. that. <laughs> um, uh, that's a good one. I didn't get that one either. That's a good one, Frank. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just a, you've got it. That's the plot. It's really not much more complicated than that. Um, and I think it actually works overall. Like we are trying to like bond is trying to stop them. Uh, there is a ticking clock. You know, there's a, a little bit of a... And I love the ticking clock. Yeah. I do. And, and you know, saying, like, okay, if we don't stop them, then we're going to have to pay them the money. And there's, like, that cutaway scene at one point. And it's like, guess we're, we're going to have to pay them the money. 
Um, but like, like we've said before, it doesn't feel like they can't succeed. No, and I mm, the some of the the side stuff in this movie, I think, is probably you know where you throw it into the you know the highlight reel, the the jetpack, money, pennies, amazing hair. Oh my god! <laughs> um, like the the outfit Domino was wearing at the end, the white on the boat. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, and then oh, like, I the love her st- bikini too, like the black and white. Yeah, super, <laughs> super sexy, super yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, something I would have loved them to expound upon, I, I think, or I'd le- at least know, is like what hotel he was staying at. Because mm. the gate, front entrance, drive up looks very similar to Casino Royale. Is that on purpose? Ooh. Um, that would have been look cool very to see. similar, doesn't it? It does. I think it's probably the same hotel. Um, the main takeaway for me that I think really makes this movie kick so much ass is Ken Adams. I think they gave him like such great places to play and have fun. Uh, Blofeld's lair, the hotel rooms are really super cool looking. Oh yeah. They're huge and they like conjoin and I mean, oh, that they're whole, epic. That whole place like at the beginning with the, the spa or whatever it is, um, it's like sprawling and there are so many different places like th- that's pretty cool. Yeah. I-, I wish there was more of it. I liked it. Yeah. And I was excited to play around in the- in those areas. Um, all right. Uh, we have to talk about the underwater fucking now. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when I'm watching the scene, I'm getting definite flashbacks of for your eyes only. Yes. And totally. a- you know, a couple of the other uh, Bond films where there are key underwater sequences, the world is not enough. Uh, you know, and it's something, it's interesting that Craig doesn't do these. Have you noticed that? Have you thought about that? Hmm, that's true. Where's a Craig underwater scene? Does he not like scuba? Is he afraid? Maybe. Maybe um, I mean, he's come out of the water. He's He has that water fight in Skyfall in the ice. But, like, yeah, not like a scuba thing. Not a scuba thing. Um... You know, I guess it was inevitable that he was going to, you know, what would you even call this? Like, you know, like also like just the sheer physics of it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, and it's like the weird thing is like you see them go down and then a whole bunch of bubbles come up, which to me, when you like put all those bubbles up means that you've like, like taken off your mask or something. And because it's probably implied that they're kissing. But like, how do they? They, the, how are they going to breathe? I, I don't. I mean, they must have come back up pretty quickly. <laughs> I guess I yeah. don't know. <laughs> well, I think Sean Connery goes pretty quick. I think he's probably <laughs> quick to bust. You know what I mean? He because he's got he doesn't have time. Like no. just in, in his life, he just James Bond is on the move. He's got to move. He's got to go. You know. He's also. I thought it was interesting to hear what Fiona said, and we'll, we'll talk about her later in the in the ratings. But like. It was interesting to hear her say, like, you put the women in, like, the throes of passion. They hear the choir sing, and then you're gone. Like, yeah. Like, does Bond make these girls come? Like, that's a great thought. You know what I mean? Like, is <laughs> is he even sort of preoccupied with that? I can't even imagine probably, that he would give a shit about that. Probably not. Although, like, there, we see a lot of, like, um, a lot of cuddling, you know? Like, there is a lot of post-sex in, in James Bond movies, and so, like... 
they do usually seem pretty satisfied. So I don't know. <laughs> well, they're not. Well, they're not calling the fucking manager. You know what I mean? Like, but uh, yeah. what I'm saying is, uh, <laughs> like, if, if Bond makes these girls come, if, if Bond can make these girls co- girls come so quick, like, why does he even want to be a secret agent? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, to me, like, if that was if that was my superpower, I would play to my strengths, man. Right. Like, you know. Uh, also, you know, I don't I don't love sex in the shower. I've never had sex in a hot tub or a bathtub, but I don't love sex in the shower. Yeah. To me, you lose friction. Friction is in very important to sex. <laughs> Showers not a lot. are also complicated because, like, you're standing, and there's, like, sometimes there's not enough space, and sometimes, like, you get tired of standing. <laughs> yeah. But at I least think... with, like, the ocean there, you're like, all right, they can, like... Yeah, there's it, a lot of room. There's a lot of space, and they can kind of, you know... And it's a cool little hideout, but... It's very impractical. <laughs> it just, it seems. If it was like a like a cove where they were like, "Ooh, we're gonna go and like swim down and like like come up into this like cool little cavern and like John Snow kind of cave," sure, <laughs> that would be fine. But underwater, completely, nah. <laughs> it seemed just like an in joke at almost at Bond. Like that's the the thing I don't get about it is like. The other jokes in Goldfinger are specifically done to not be as cheeky as from Russia with Love, but to also really land. That when he throws the thing into the bathtub and he says shocking, that had to get a huge fucking laugh. Oh, sure. Like, this, when he said, I hope we don't scare the fish, like, shit, man, like, there's little kids in this movie. (laughs) You know (laughs) what I mean? Like, are they going to totally get that? Like, no. So who's this joke for? This joke is for somebody who's seen Bond, who knows Bond, and gets that he can bed or unbed any woman. And, like, to me, it's like it's weird It's weird comedy. You know what I mean? It is it's like weird. A- and the other thing is, like, as we were watching, was, I'm like, was that the first time that they had sex, him and Domino? Because like, Yeah, definitely. And that's what was also weird. It's like they didn't seem to have a relationship like that. Like, I mean, they were – clearly flirting for a while right and like but i it was just weird that it's like this is when you choose to like make your move i don't know right like maybe on the boat instead i don't know no you it it seemed it seemed strange to me too frank (laughs) um so i think we should shift gears here a little bit um and, and talk about the bahamas this to me is like you know you get a good gambling scene with Baccarat, which me, me and you do not know how to play. So the whole scenes where he's going back and forth with um, Largo, you know, I don't know what's happening. It looks like he's winning. So it cool. looks very cool. That's all that matters. <laughs> y- yeah. And then we're at this, like, casino place, and then we immediately go from there to, um, you know, back to Nassau to really the the, you know, not the luxurious parts of, of of the Bahamas. Yeah. Two questions for you. Yeah. One, if we know that, uh, you know, Bond is a very great and amazing gambler, wouldn't it behoove him to stay at the casino to gain more intel and be more available to other, you know, ne'er-do-wells who are also on the island to pick up intelligence? And then the last part of it is, like, I'm going to go ahead and say it's 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 probably uh, it's probably racist but like 
at what point like does capturing you know mardi gras or carnival like you know and the way that they're depicting these people and bonds just like running through them and not giving a shit and bleeding on all their shit like at what point do it does it go from like trying to be um escapist to being probably more or less racist it's a tough question for you i'm sorry okay um so yeah the first one i mean i think like getting more intel maybe would be a good idea but i also i feel like his his idea was like okay i'm gonna go to the bahamas because the the brother's sister is there and i i need to like hook up with her to get more information from her and like we don't know where she is yeah i mean well she was there i guess but like i think he he realizes that largo is the target pretty quickly and so for him to like stick around and and keep gambling with other people other than largo doesn't really matter um he feels like he's got a pretty quick in once he realizes like oh you're the guy and you're like <laughs> the you know niece or whatever quote unquote right. so i think he can he can realize like oh I, I just stick with her and i'll get more intel um i totally feel you about the mardi gras stuff like um where whereas in um for your eyes only they have carnival right yep that that feels better depicted than the way they did mardi gras here um it yeah I mean, I, I like his, like, ability to kind of hide and, and, you know, blend in in a way. Uh, not blend in. I guess that's not really the best way to say it either. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of a, a bad sequence. Um, and, it, like, they pop up a couple of times and it's like, oh, yeah, we want to show this really cool festival. And, like, uh, we got to go down there. But, like, pretty much immediately <laughs> Felix is like, you got to come here. It's like, they don't get to enjoy it at all. Um, yep. Um, yeah, I, I think it's bad. I think there's a, a bunch of stuff here where it's like, okay, yeah, the Bahamas has become this, this Island that is like a, a big resort. And we've just like, you know, taken over all the locals and they now work for us. Right. And that's, that's pretty yep. icky. Um, especially to see it like in the sixties, um, Whereas, like, maybe now it's not as bad. That's probably not true, though. Um, yeah. No, I feel, I feel you. I, I, and, I think, and I think you're mostly right. Like, that, you know, they go to these places where they can subject, like, these people for their henchmen. And, like, it doesn't really matter. But I got to tell you, Spectre doesn't hire, like, as, as well as I would think. You know what I mean? Like, you would think that they'd be out there looking for a top quality bad guys you know what i mean that they'd be at least advertising at biker halls and you know clan rallies that they would like try (laughs) you know like but it seems like they just get these idiots like these dumb motherfuckers who let bond do some shit and like there's no real um (laughs) like the sequence when he's breaking in to um palmera and all of a sudden they're just shooting guns everywhere they're like what are you doing What's, what is even happening what is even what is even going on you're he's, you're shooting they, at each other you seem, idiots they seem so inept that it's like it's too easy to lampoon in austin powers when you've got like complete 
like utter failures for these staff. are the shittiest like, henchmen you, you know these are the shittiest henchmen yes. by far like like they they suck right. they have no understanding of reality they don't know who james bond is what do you mean they don't we've watched two whole movies where the the henchmen learn a lot about james bond like i guess they all die and they can't pass around the information because there's no internet and there's no the cell turnover is super still. duper high um yeah. so <laughs> My hope, um, you know, before we get into ratings or, or if you have anything else to close with, I'm sorry. But I think for me, the major takeaway of this movie is it's it's a B-side in that if you're looking for a yeah. Bond adventure that's a little bit different than the norm, if you're not looking for the same formulaic structure, if, if you want to kind of divert and, and look at something different and something very 1965, uh, go watch Thunderball. Otherwise, you can yeah. watch the opening credit sequence, uh, the cold open on YouTube for free right now. And then you'll be happy to know that pretty much Bond saves the day and there's not a ton that, that you're, you're missing here. Nope. Yeah. And that Spectre is still out there as a threat. It's just like just another step in the and it doesn't even feel like, oh, Bond is trying to get closer to the leader of Spectre. If he was like. All oh, right, I, I finally got you know his number two, and you know I'm gonna get the who who's ever in charge to unravel this organization. Like you see them have like the rings, and he, so he clearly knows like it's a big yeah. deal, but you don't feel that he's like you know happy about like what he what he did. And I, I think like the other thing, like I, I am eager to see what happens with Spectre in the next couple of movies, but I think they kind of fixed it a little bit in the modern era. Like you, you have a little bit more competency. Um, I'm, I'd be really curious to see what kind of role Spectre is going to play in the final Craig movie. We know um, Blofeld is in it, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. All right. You want to do ratings? I do, because then we could touch upon the things we haven't touched upon yet, and then we can kind of move this baby through. So uh, the opening sequence, um, I gave it a 7. Um, the reason for it being a seven is that I do like that it plays into the larger story. I do like when they connect. Um, and mm -hmm. I do think the jetpack is very cool. Uh, where I don't love it and it does lose points is that if you do not have the closed captioning on from the very first second of this movie, you are immediately in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. you have to go yep. back and rewind and find out who this cross-dressing guy is and, you know, find out what's going on. Um, I think the fight sequence is very okay. It's not anything spectacular. And then really the last yeah. part is how did Bond get the jetpack up there in the first place? Yeah, I, I think we're just, like, not supposed to think too hard about that. You're right. Um, this, yeah, this this feels like, okay, we've got, we've got to do the opening sequence. What's going to be cool? But, like, it just doesn't quite deliver. I do remember the cross-dressing sequence and, and that that whole fight. But, again, it feels like a joke. Yeah. And it doesn't feel serious. Um, so, yeah, I also gave it a 7. It was just fine. Um, moving into the plot, I like that th this plot is relatively simple. It's got a straightforward ticking clock. I, I like all those elements about it. I don't love um, that it it kind of dies. You know what I mean? It, it's it's like a, a yep. sick 
animal in that you know it's it once you really wound it once you take out you know most of the key players it really can't succeed um yeah, yeah. so it's limping across the finish line in an eight and, and and an eight is good because this is very strong you could see how this influenced a lot of other movies and and austin powers and other things but it, it uh for the other movies we've had it's it's not as good yeah i agree with you an eight um i think this movie's too long i oh, think by um, far I mean, part of it obviously has to do with the action, but like what we always talk about is like having the action drive the plot forward, and it just kind of feels like it's stalling. Um, and uh, it's not that it, the the movie meanders necessarily; it just feels like because the plot is so simple, it should be easier to to get to the end. And I feel like when they make that comment of like, "Oh, we've got fourteen hours to deliver," like. To get the bombs, or we're gonna have to pay. It's like that's too large a window. Yeah. Like we need, like, oh, we've only got an hour left. Like, put the pressure on. Come on, guys. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> so the next category, we're also in sync. We're in sync for actually a couple of categories here. Uh, the gadgets and the car and the Q scene. I think we've been incredibly spoiled. Um, you know, yeah. and we really have very high hopes for what we want out of a Q scene. Um, in general, we don't love the on-location versions, right? Like, it takes away from yeah. it, it takes away from I think the 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 cool factor, but also uh, the uh, enormity of what they're doing and the subversion and and the time and money that people put into R and D. It feels like Lucius Fox and going down underneath Wayne Enterprises when you go to Q branch and when you have him come yeah. on site it feels very much like okay like you know here comes Morgan Freeman <laughs> like I bet he's got something cool yeah. I, here are the few things I could I could fit in the car uh, in the plane uh, on the train on my way here I just grabbed what I could get and it's like it doesn't feel as big no um, um, I also the radioactive homing device that's not a thing that can't work that would not happen no sorry the thing like am I supposed to swallow yeah, this thing? No, that that's not how that works. Um, and then yeah. the uh, the cool little little underwater uh, propeller fan. It just seemed like this is the one Canon's fault I'll have. Like it just seemed like he designed that one to be the smaller, cool version, and that the other one was the bigger, clunkier version for the bad guys. Um, yeah, with Q, like I. I also don't really love when he shows up in a Hawaiian shirt. Like, no, he like should that. be it's in just, a suit still. Yeah, like he's. This is. Uh, it just feels a little too silly. Um, and we've seen plenty of silly Q scenes. Um, and it, yeah, there there isn't enough of the car. I, that it's just a bummer. So I also gave it an eight. Um, so Bond girls again. This one is like littered with Bond women, um, and they are all beautiful. Um, they are something special in this movie. Um, I, I like having, uh, I think it's cool. Cause like Domino is very much like she's, she ends up becoming a good guy or good, uh, not a villain because she's just not, she's not even a member of the, of the organization. She's just there, but I like having a villainous female character, femme fatale and, um, Volpe, I think her name is. Yeah, Volpe, right? Um, she's great, and um, he's got this assistant 
Paula, and I feel really bad for Paula. Like, I, she's so unceremoniously, like, oh, tell Felix she's dead. Yep. <laughs> like, really? That's how you treat her? That was bad. Um, so I docked a point for that. But, um, yeah, I, I like them all. I think Domino is is beautiful. Um, and I think the, the, the one thing that was a little bit tough is, like, that whole – I like forgot that her brother was a, a like part of it, and then it's like, oh, he was just withholding that information that he was actually dead for a long time, um, to like use her, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, I gave Bond Girls a nine. What about you? I also gave it a nine. I thought they're ex- extraordinarily hot. I also think the acting is a little bit better out of them this turnaround, even if the lines aren't delivered mm. great. I just felt their uh, uh, presence and motivations a little bit better this time around. Yeah. Um, what I would hope that we see more of in the future, and I think we get this in the next movie, is a real uh, assistant to Bond in, in the form of a female character and not just somebody to shoot the gun at the last minute. Yeah. Um, somebody that's very much his equal, somebody that's going to be as badass as he is um, and, and really you know help to make this work. I also think that they... I don't know if they took criticism or, or if they changed it, but it seemed that Bond worked a lot harder to court the girl at the beginning of the movie at the spa and not rape her so much. Yeah. And it seemed more consensual this time around, if you can even say that. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I, don't I don't know either, but, bit, it, but it felt it. I felt better about it. Um, it was definitely yeah. better. Um, and I did like that. She, um, Domino was the one to kill Largo. I thought that was really effective. But, yeah, if she, like, had more to do throughout the movie, that would have been cool. So, um, moving on to villain, um, Mr. Mr. Largo, Emilio Vargo, Largo, um, he needed some more motivation, man. He needed some more. I needed some more out of this guy. Um, he looks He looks spooky. I think he's in a couple of other movies, right? He's got to be in, in something someplace, someplace else. Well, the actor, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah probably. Um, um, Adolfo Selly, uh, yeah, he's in uh, he's in a fuck ton of movies right here. Um, nothing we would have ever seen. A man named John, El Greco, Yankee, Grand Prix, King of Hearts, Grand Slam, Seven Times Seven. Nothing we'd ever seen. Um, he dies, I guess, in the early. No, I guess in the eighties. Yeah, man, this guy just seems very central casting bad guy. He's not special. The eye patch is cool, but you know, even Nick Fury's got gadgets in the eye patch, man. You know, <laughs> like that would have been yeah. that would have been okay to see. Is this the origination of the bad guy eye patch? That's a question. I don't think so. I think I think pirates had eye patches. I think pirates had him beat. I, yeah, I think so. I think pirates had him beat. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it definitely is number two. Um, he's number two in this movie. Yeah, I just I don't really feel like yeah, because it, it's not his plan. Like I like he's got like the sharks and they're kind of cool, but they're not like that. And like it, he's also kind of I think what's hard about him is he does a lot of the the work, right? You see him diving underwater. You see him, um, like actively killing people like he's not the hands-off villain so i think he ends up being like a a big henchman again and not 
I think because with what ended up happening is they, they didn't make him uh, as an elevated of a villain. He just feels like a big henchman and it just doesn't work. Um, we both gave him a seven. Moving right along to physical antagonist. This movie did not have one. What the fucking fuck? Yep. So, like, how can we even, like, score this? I, think, I don't know. Well, he had some good fights, so I think it gets... I'm going to give it three points at the end of the day, but it doesn't yeah. have what we love, and that you need to have somebody else to fight Bond who's going to do battle with him. There was the, that one guy that didn't talk, that didn't smoke, that didn't drink, that he just, like, shot with the yeah, harpoon. Yeah, that was, that was actually a pretty cool scene, I thought, but... It, they're just disposable henchmen. They're not memorable in any way. Nope. And that's what you get out of a physical antagonist. You put a face on a henchman. And ultimately, like I was just saying, I feel like Largo is kind of that. And it's hard. I mean, like, they probably couldn't have realized how big of a success Odd Job was going to be. Oh, you're um, right. This almost seems like a course and, correction in that they they knew that they couldn't have another Odd Job. Well, and that's the other thing about, like, making these movies so goddamn quickly. Like... They're filming it before the other one's even out, probably. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll go to the videotape on that one for you. I, I think you're right. Yeah, sure. Um, they're definitely developing them yeah. as the other ones are, are being made. Yeah. Um, yeah, the physical antagonist here missed him. Wish we had one. Uh, yep. I gave it a four. You gave it a three. Bond, right. Bond performance. I gave it an eight. You gave it a nine. I think the reason... I'm I'm dropping down here is you do not get m enough character development out of Bond. And I think this movie is supposed to seem like that. It's supposed to make you feel like Bond is dealing with these larger global threats that he's dealing um, and coming up short in a couple different areas. But I also don't feel like we see Bond grapple with that at all in the way that we would see Craig grapple with it today. Um, you know, I, I don't even know why I put my score. I'm going to drop it actually to a seven. Cause I don't, I don't think he's like seeing him as like a, a sad puppy in that cave. I'm just like, that's not James Bond. Like, so not, um, the, um, the amount of times it's like <sighs> that he doesn't really succeed. Like I, I, like he, when he's climbing the, the roof of the building, he drops his gun and he's like kind of running away. I don't know. I just don't feel like he. Uh, yeah. And like you, they, they want to show us getting to know him at the spa and like seeing like him do all this stuff. But it, it just doesn't feel like I think it would have been cool if it was if maybe at the end of the last movie or at the end of the opening sequence, like he like was actually injured. And this was more of like a, a physical therapy retreat. And we're like, oh, shit, he needs to like recover because he's fucked up yeah and he like, gets shot in the fucking ankle and he's able to use these very powerful flippers and swim underwater and be fine like well and, and the sequence pretty much right after that he's in the the ocean with the sharks i'm like he, that should have at least opened up and then come after him that would have been interesting but nope <sighs> all right um moving and grooving um we're gonna go to legacy and continuity moment um, this is the part of the rating system where we see how the Bond movie stacks up, how if there's anything that's very relevant to pop culture or, or um, what's going on in the future. And I think this movie does have some of those points. You've got the lair. You've got number two. You've got the jetpack. You've got the DB5 coming back. Uh, you definitely lose points for replacing Felix after w two different actors play him in two different movies. 
Boo. Boo. Bad. No, not okay. Who said that was okay? Is that a director thing? Did Terrence Young say, no, I want this guy back? That's a bad decision. Yeah, they they just need that continuity. That like, If you've got M and if you've got Money Penny, if you've got Q, like Felix is the main character now at this point. It just, it, yeah, it doesn't work. Um, I think Legacy to me is honestly more about like, yeah, there's a lot of things that get made fun of later on. And there's yeah. a lot of things that will maybe impact uh specter down the road um so i gave it a six you gave it a five it's just it's a, it's kind of a forgettable movie unfortunately it, it just doesn't have the the souse man it doesn't have the souse no souse uh, <laughs> it, oh there's definitely sauce in, in james bond my friend um yeah. okay so special effects the sole reason this movie gets an eight is because the advances they made in underwater photography and the explosion of the uh, um, the the boat on the rocks at the end is fantastic. That is a great explosion. Um, it looks totally real. Uh, the 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 gadgets all work ra- relatively practically, and they're very believable. Um, but again, there there it's nothing to blow your pants off, and, and that's where I think yeah. this is like a, a definitely an eight for me. I had it at a ten, but I knocked it to a nine. I feel like i was impressed by a lot of stuff um like uh, like a lot of the underwater things but like i said if if that whole sequence was shorter and uh i mean obviously the whole movie is underwater but like the uh the end it's just like okay they're trying to do this to make it look really cool we're like look what we can do um and like this movie had some model work which was cool um and um yeah, some really good explosions, but again, yeah. we love when the the stunts and the action serves the story. We don't love when you throw us the the action in lieu of story. That's bad, <laughs> you know. And, and that's yep. what that's what's happening here. Um, one of the saving graces of this movie, I think, is the music. Um, I think in the ways that you have um, Empire Strikes Back enter in a couple of new themes to Star Wars that weren't present in the original Episode Four: A New Hope. I think this movie does that here too, in that you get a much darker tone to the music, um, and we're not leaning in so heavily on the theme song as our cue for what's happening. So I like that it adds to the... uh, the oeuvre of the James Bond themes that different people can pull from, um, like the ba 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 ba, very Austin Powers, right? But sure, it's it definitely brings a darkness and a and you know a sense of peril, <laughs> peril, um, <laughs> like to to this movie that um is is beneficial. Uh, the the song by Tom Jones is is, is egregious. <laughs> like that yeah. that'll lose another point. I'm I'm dropping it down to a 7. Tom Jones, oof. Okay. Well, if you're at a 7, I'm at a 6. Um okay. I I just I think I the, yeah, the song is meh. I don't really care about that. I think I what I like is that they did have more music. I just don't like it. Like that 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 
it's like it's so repetitive and it just like keeps going throughout and I'm like i just wanted maybe a couple more instances of the main james bond theme um i i did like a lot of the sweeping orchestral stuff that they had that was really cool but um I was just like it was a little bit grating to me after a while, and I was just like, Ugh, I wish this was better. You're you're so right. Like, it's it adds, but it also doesn't build. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't build the way that the Goldfinger theme like really can fucking r- swing. You know, like, and we talked yep. about that. That like Doctor No, it's very punchy from Russia with Love. It's you know, it's easing into more jazz, but also playing around with different orchestral stuff. Whereas Goldfinger, you're going full on 60s swing. This time, I think they're actually trying to go swing, but they're also trying to do the theme. And that just, that's way, way too much. Way too much. Yep. Too much. All right. So I'm at a 71. You're at a 70. Yep. Um, we're pretty much in sync. I like, I think in talking about this movie, I feel like you actually like it better than me. I probably do. <laughs> I, I, um, but I like but Iron Man the too. Thing with the yeah, I like Iron Man too actually too. <laughs> yeah. That that's one we got to cover. We we, we do that. I, I can't wait to go back and do those over a much less strenuous schedule. Um, sure. Like to me, like this movie is ahead of its time in that way, in that it was setting up the franchise for more in the form of a movie and not just a trailer or a post-credit scene, but it wasn't expounded upon to the point where like you could fully realize what's going on at that time. Right. I don't think if you were seeing this movie in 1965, you were thinking, I can't wait for the sequel, (laughs) you know? Right. And ultimately if, if uh, you only live twice comes out and you're like, Oh shit, I haven't seen Thunderball. It doesn't matter. It's, it's so not like anything not happens matter. here that is like consequential to the overarching plot. It so that's kind of what's a bummer about it. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's about it on, on Thunderball. So yeah, man. Uh Sean Connery, I don't know if it, any of this is his fault, but I'm definitely excited to, you know, see him wrap up what he thought his career as James Bond was gonna be in You Only Live Twice, which is one of my favorite movies, but mm. also uh, we st- both of us have not seen Diamonds Are Forever, so if we had this pass after seeing this movie, I can't imagine what that movie's going to look like. Yep. It's definitely... The swan song. I, I mean, I don't think I hear all that much about it ever, so... Uh, that can't be good. probably not a good sign. Um, all yeah. right. <laughs> so, uh, thanks for joining us on this uh, episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. Frank, where can they find us? Uh, they could find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Long Lost Heroes Podcast. Please uh, subscribe and uh, rate and review. We really appreciate it. Um, you can find us online at www.longlostheroes.net. You can email us at info at longlostheroes.net. And on socials, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LLH Podcast. Hey. So, hey. guys, thank you. Tune in next week um, for another episode. You only live twice. And we're excited. We're almost done. This has been such a great so ride. Two more movies, Frank. Two, two more movies. Sean Connery is fantastic. I, I do love him. I think his uh, overall, his movies are, are really strong, but this maybe wasn't the strongest. The best one. All right, y'all. <laughs> take care. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.